Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of the Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. Uh, Oregon won, beat Hawaii 55-10. to 10. Some takeaways from that. Um, a lot of good, some bad. Penalties still an issue. Talk about that. Talk about Colorado, Deion Sanders, Colorado State, double overtime. Uh, that's going to be it's gonna be a fun week. A lot to get to. Let's get into it. I'm coming to you again very, very late night on Saturday. Uh, technically, I guess it's Sunday morning, about 1.30 a.m. right now. Uh, I'm going to keep it brief. I kind of like this, um, you know, just just emptying the notebook, I guess, is what I what I think I'll call this going forward. Um, I don't really have any notes, any script. I'm just going to try and talk about what I saw from the game, what I saw from the night, um, some of my biggest, biggest takeaways from the game, so... In general, um, if you're listening to this, you probably already know Oregon won. They beat Hawaii 55 to 10. It's a pretty good game. Um, you know, there was, I think that the overall positive performance of the game was overshadowed a little bit, as Dan Lanning said in his post game press conference. Oregon played an almost complete game. They looked really good on offense. They looked really good on defense. The penalties are just still, still a major issue. Um, that is probably, that is definitely my biggest takeaway from this. Um, you know, we talked about this a week ago where Oregon, I think it was, they had 14 penalties for 124 yards against Texas tech. Um, you know, it almost cost them the game. They, they could have easily won that game without those penalties, without those mistakes. So Dan Lenning said after that game, Hey, this is something we have to clean up. We will drill this nonstop this week and we will be better going forward. Uh, I guess they were better. They had nine penalties for 76 yards against Hawaii. Uh, that's not a ton better, but I guess it's slight improvement. Um, you know, that was one of the first things that I think that's actually, yeah, one of the very first points that Lanning made in his post-game press conference is that, you know, he's he's just really disappointed and, and frustrated that, the team is still having so many issues with penalties and still making so many mistakes and hurting themselves. And, you know, I asked him like, how do you, what do you do differently? Um, obviously you spent all week working on it and trying to drill this and trying to get it in the team's head that, you know, this can't happen. Something needs to change. What do you do differently? Do you keep doing the same thing? Is it a matter of needing more practice with that? Or do you do something differently? And he said, you know what? We just, we have to kind of make the punishment harder. He said, if you make penalties, if you get penalties, you will not play. He said that if you're going to hurt our team, you're not going to play. So, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see if how strongly he goes through with that. I mean, it's, it might be a case by case basis. If, 
Jackson Powers Johnson is continues to get um, ineligible linemen downfield penalties. Like I think he had two today. Um, he said after the game that, you know, I know Oregon had two of those today. He said after the game that both of those were on him, you know, if he keeps doing that, he's just starting center. Are you not going to play him? Are you going to pull him from the game? Uh, I don't know. There's been, <clears throat> excuse me. There's been a lot of pass interference penalties. Um, you know, Oregon's secondary looked really good today. Are you going to pull out Kyrie Jackson or Jaleel Florence if they have one pass interference play in a game? I don't know. That's It's going to be tough to see. Um, but regardless of what they do, it's clear that they need to do something because these penalties, that's just, you can get away with it at this point in the schedule. You can get away with it against a Hawaii where, you know, this game, regardless of those 76 penalty yards, this game was not even close. Um, just to look through a couple of numbers here, uh, Oregon's defense held Hawaii to just 201 yards total in the game, so the defense did really, really well. Uh, Hawaii was a really good passing team coming into this. I knew that coming into this game that Oregon's secondary would really be put to the test. They would really have to try and stop a, a really solid Hawaii passing attack. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors had just 142 total passing yards. They went 28 for 44 with one interception, no touchdowns. Um, so really bravo to the defense. Likewise, Oregon had 350 passing yards, 229 rushing yards. Um, you know, just a, a really, really solid game overall for Oregon. But, um, you know, when you take into account those penalties and those, those mistakes, you can see it could have been a lot better if Oregon would get out of its own way. And now you're done with non-conference. You go into that conference schedule. You've got Colorado this week. you got Stanford and then Washington and then Washington State. And you get really, really tough stretch of games coming up. And you can't have these mistakes like that um, each and every week. So that's just going to be going to be really important for the Ducks to learn to get out of their own way and stop hurting themselves. I already talked about the pass defense a little bit. I'm not going to get too much into that. I was really impressed by what Julio Florence did. He started again today and looked just really impressive starting out there across, um, you know, alongside Kyrie Jackson. <clears throat> the safeties looked really good. Tysheem Johnson is, he's turning into a really, really solid player. He's got a great knack for the ball. Uh, we didn't see a ton from Evan Williams. He played a lot, but he didn't really make any outstanding plays. Anything's that anything that wowed you, but um, overall, this secondary, I think just, they looked really good. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from them so far, you know, coming into this year, that was such a big question for us that, you know, how would Oregon secondary look and, you know, how would the, the pass rush look alongside that? I think both of those things worked in tandem tonight. I think they looked really good. Oregon had, um, let's see if I can find this real quick. How many sacks did they have? We're going to two sacks for 18 yards. Um, you know, not as good as last week, but better than week one. Still something, still really good production. Jordan Birch notably had his first sack as a duck, and Popo Amavai had a sack as well. So really good to see some of their their top defenders, top defensive linemen having an impact in the game and uh, getting after the quarterback, causing some havoc in there. Um, that's just, you know, early returns for what we needed to see from this defense are coming through. So I think you could feel really positive about that. Uh, I want to talk about Tez Johnson a little bit and just this wide receiver core. Um, 
I talked earlier this week, I was going through my snap counts, uh, my usage report takeaways, just that column that I do every week where I look at the snap counts for each player and kind of have some takeaways from that. And, um, you know, I, I wrote about how I thought Gary Bryant was becoming the wide receiver two on the team, not really based on stats that he was producing. He hasn't really produced a ton on the stat sheet, but his, his snaps have consistently been the second most on the team behind Troy Franklin. Um, and then lower down below him were Treshawn Holden and Tez Johnson and some of the other guys. But it seemed like, you know, Gary Bryant was really on the field more than anyone other than Troy Franklin, which led me to believe that, you know, the Ducks were really trying to get him into that wide receiver two role and get him to be more part of the offense. I'm kind of retracting that statement after today. I think that it's pretty clear that Tez Johnson is the second option in this passing game. He had a really, really incredible day. He had his first touchdown as a duck last week against Texas Tech. He got in the end zone twice again today. Um, six targets, four catches, 77 yards, two touchdowns. Treshawn Holden also played really well. Four catches for 63 yards and two touchdowns. Um, it's just, it's really incredible when you look at the depth of this wide receiver group. Um, Troy can beat you in any way. Tez can beat you in any way. Treshawn looks great. Gary Bryant looks great. Terrence Ferguson, whenever you need him, looks really good. Patrick Herbert looks really good. Um, we actually saw Chris Hudson play today, which, you know, that that was a little bit interesting. Um, you know, I you know, I'm not gonna get into the Chris Hudson stuff right now. If you've heard me talk about it before, you know it's it's weird what's going on. Um, we're not gonna get into it. It's it's too late to talk about that. Um, let's go on to to Ty Thompson. He played, he played, I think, you know, half of the third quarter and most of the fourth quarter. He looked pretty solid. Um, you know, he didn't do anything that really wowed you, but we didn't come into this game needing to see any wow moments from Ty. I wanted to see consistency and I wanted to see poise. Um, he played really well in the Portland State game. I think he was seven for eight with like 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that was just, he, he looked really comfortable in the offense and, and looked like he could just run things. And that's not really a tie that we had seen before. He did the same thing tonight. He finished tonight, uh, five for seven passing 102 yards and one touchdown. Um, and notably he had, there's just one play that sticks out in my mind. He had a wheel route to Noah Whittington down the right side. He threw this like this beautiful back shoulder throw that he put the ball right on the sideline and where only Noah could get it. And it was, I mean, a great catch by Noah, but a really just well-placed ball from Ty that, you know, that's not something we've seen from him before. Um, it was just, it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, okay, that's, that's new. I didn't know that Ty could do that. That was actually very pretty. Um, this was, this was a really good game for him. It's not something that's going to jump off the stat sheet. Um, but again, we didn't, we didn't need to see that. I just wanted to see mistake free football and I wanted to see him operating the offense with some poise and with some comfortability. Um, there was one play, Dan even talked about this after the game. There was one play that I'm sure he wants back. He had a, uh, a naked bootleg out to the right side where he was running free, had all the time in the world to find a receiver. He threw it, um, who is he targeting? I think it might have been Patrick Herbert that he was targeting. Um, wide open downfield, and he just kind of left, left it behind him a little bit. So um, that's one I, he definitely wanted back. His stat line could have looked a little bit better, but 
you know, he's he's still a young, relatively inexperienced quarterback. There's going to be those lumps. There's going to be those mistakes. Luckily, this mistake, you know, didn't hurt the team at all. It was just an incompletion. But um, overall, I'm I'm really impressed with what I saw from him. I'm not blown away, but I don't. We don't need to be blown away right now. Um, we hopefully, knock on wood, hopefully will not see Ty again until next year, next spring. I mean, there may be a quarter or two later in the season where, where he gets some action against bad teams like Cal or Arizona state. Um, but in general, I don't think we'll see a good amount of him until the spring game next year, where he's hopefully in line to be the starting quarterback for the ducks um, in 2024. That's pretty much all of my major takeaways from this Hawaii game. Um, you know, it's, we don't have i'm i'm curious to look into the pff grades and the snap counts and stuff and learn a little bit more because there's there's more on that bone to find about hawaii but in general it's it was not a a competitive game it was over right away honestly it was funny hawaii got the ball went three and out on the first series punted and then two plays later 50 58 seconds into the game Oregon scored and was up seven to nothing so at that point it was like all right this game is already over can we get a a running clock please um but more importantly I want to talk about Colorado now this is a story and a game and just a storyline that is going to going to be very prominent in the national media this week. Um, and Oregon's going to be at the center of it. I think it's, it's going to be great for the ducks. Um, it's personally going to be great for us media members covering it because it's just Colorado all season has been at the center of the college football universe. And now that Oregon is playing them and Oregon is the first real team that they will play this year. Oregon is also going to be in the center of that universe, which will be really fun. Um, if you did not see on Saturday night, that was in jeopardy for a little bit because um, if you are just catching up, Colorado went to double overtime against Colorado State, who is, spoiler alert, not a good team. Colorado State was 0-1. They are a bad Mountain West team. Um, they've, they're someone that, you know, number 18 ranked Colorado should have no business being in a competitive game with. Uh, but you know, I think we learned a lot about Colorado tonight that they are a deeply, deeply flawed team. Um, they've got great skill position players. I've said this, I talked about this with Joey last week, Joey Harrington last week. I've said it a million times. Their skill position players are incredible. Their quarterback, Shadur Sanders, their wide receiver slash cornerback, Travis Hunter, their, um, other wide receivers, their running back, Dylan Edwards. They're, they're really good in the skill positions but they have no offensive line and they've got no defensive line. So I think that, you know, I'm not going to get too much into predictions right now. That's we'll save that for later this week. I've got a podcast coming out on, I think it'll come out on Monday with, uh, you know, one of my good friends, Jack Carlo, a Colorado buffs writer. I've had him on before. Um, we're going to break down more of that, but you know, it's been, it's been interesting to see the the national media narrative build around Colorado over these past several weeks, several months. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not blaming the national media because it's an awesome story. Um, I'll admit I'm interested. I mean, when Deion Sanders comes on my TV, I'm watching, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really interested in it. So I understand why they're going to, going to Boulder for ESPN college game day between Colorado and Colorado state. 
I get why Fox Big Noon kickoff is at every Colorado game so far. I get why they're pumping up the storyline because it sells. People want to watch it. But the fact that that came with people, I think, overrating Colorado, I would say. A lot of people are saying that they're, you know what, they they could be in the college football playoff mix. They could be in the Pac-12 championship mix. Let's just let's pump the brakes a little bit. They beat TCU week one. Great win. I don't think TCU is particularly good this year. I know they were the national championship runner-ups last year, but they lost so many players from that team. Um, they lost their starting quarterback, all of their, like almost all of their good skill positions, a lot on defense. Um, they beat Nebraska week two. Nebraska, big name, bad team. They are also under a first-year coach in Matt Rule, and I don't think they're even remotely ready to compete on the national stage. And then we saw it almost fall apart on Saturday night against Colorado State, another bad team. Um, So I think that this kind of worked out perfectly for the Ducks because you get Colorado coming into Eugene next next week with an undefeated record, and you get all of the hype that it brings, and you get that huge, huge 1230 ABC primetime stage to perform on. And people think that the team you're playing is still really good and they're still really into that team and there's still there's still a ton of hype about it. But we saw tonight, I feel very confident saying Colorado is not a great football team. They're they're solid. They can do things really well. They're flashy offensively and they can put up points against mediocre defenses, but they cannot stop anyone on defense. And I don't think their offensive line can hold up against Oregon. And you know what? I feel solidly confident about Oregon's defense right now. So I think that the Ducks can do pretty well against Colorado's offense and their passing attack. Um, I'm just, I'm really excited for this game because I think it's going to put Oregon, excuse me, on a new level and, and really lift them up. And because there's going to be a ton of eyeballs on it, um, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. One small note about that too is um, Colorado's, you know, star player uh, Travis Hunter. He plays wide receiver. He plays cornerback. He's the guy who has, you know, 120 snaps per game. I was talking to Joey Harrington about him. He plays basically two games worth of football in one game, playing both ways on offense and defense. He got hurt tonight. Um, he took a, a cheap shot to the ribs from Colorado State was kind of writhing on the ground for a little bit, ended up going to the hospital to get further evaluated. Deion Sanders said after the game that he's unlikely to play um, this week and and likely to be out for the next couple of weeks. So um, it's, it's looking like we won't see him in Eugene this next week, which is kind of a bummer because I, you know, personally, I wanted to watch him. He's an incredibly talented player and a lot of fun to watch. Um, but if you're looking at Oregon's chances, that's, you know, that, that boosts them up a little bit because he's a really good player. He's probably next to Shooter Sanders, their quarterback. He's probably Colorado's best player. Um, so without them, that it limits them on what they can do both offensively and defensively. So um, yeah, that's, that's a, a major loss for Colorado. We'll see how it impacts them. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Um, Like I said, I've got a podcast coming out on Monday with an insider for Colorado. We're going to completely break down that game, look at the ins and outs of it, see what it's been like to be a Colorado fan this year. Um, If you want to read all of my, you know, coverage of this Hawaii game, my previews of the Colorado game, go to ducksfire.usatoday.com. 
You follow me at Zachary C. Neal uh, on Twitter. We will talk to you on, I believe, Monday afternoon, maybe Tuesday morning. Until then, take it easy. Thank you.